2: This is shaky now,
3: and I'm kind of nervous.
1: All right, well, while Derek tries to get himself down, WGR Sports Radio 550 presents. If he can get there, he goes. We're, we're all right. Sports Talk
3: Saturday. If I got injured on the air and everyone heard it, is that a good worst? <laughs> probably be the easiest one. And I feel like it'd probably be the first time it ever happened here. Hold it. We also heard it be my own fault, so. Oh. Well, Yeah, so yeah, no, it actually wouldn't even be cut and dry at all. It'd just be funny.
1: On WGR. It'd be a great open. Sports Radio 550.
3: Well, that took zero time for Josh's prediction to be right. As it is an open. Welcome to Sports Talk Saturday here on WGR. Derek Kramer, Tanner Saunders here with you guys today as we go 11 to 2 as we always do to kick off your weekend. And plenty to get to, as Tanner had mentioned in the update. Both teams in Washington tomorrow. That's pretty easy. Look at that. Synergist, synergistic group right there. The Bills and the Sabres both going to the same places uh, or at least the same area to play both of their respective games. And obviously the Bills, it's week three after coming back, back into the uh, win column. But now... Now you get yourself a real good challenge here with the commander's defense. And then the Sabres, they get their preseason started at 2 o'clock, as mentioned. You can hear that over on our sister station, WBEN 930. So, Bills and Commanders, Sabres training camp, we're all getting ready. It's, It's happening. Elite season. Hoodie shorts weather. All of it's here. We're getting into the we're getting into the real nitty gritty now of both seasons ready to go full tilt. We're into it, elite season. Let's go. You want to know how my mood is today? I went to the vending machine just now, and I saw that the powdered donuts were back. And immediately I said out loud to nobody, "We are so back right now." So yeah, no, the littlest things are making me happy, like vending machine powdered donuts that I can't eat right now because I have to talk. But I don't care. Vibes are high. Bills win last week, rather convincingly, make the Raiders look like the Raiders. And I think that it's just one of those things where, God, we needed that. We really did. The vibes were sour. I was amongst them. Guilty as charged. But, the Bills did no favors. And now, you turn it around, you make a bad team look like a bad team. But you get yourself a surprising test in a 2-0 Washington Commanders football team skins. Yes, I that was a lazy joke about their name changes. But, what isn't a joke is that defensive front. I mean... I don't know what is going to happen in this game. But I do respect what Washington is capable of defensively. I'm not sure how good Sam Howell is. But as Zach Wilson has proven to this team and to us several times already now, you don't need great quarterback play to beat the Bills. You just need a great defense to slow the Bills down. And then if if your offense could be the literal standards of good enough, then you just deal with it. And those are the only ways that the Bills end up really losing football games is when the offense gets slowed down. But you're dealing with Chase Young, Montez Sweat, Jonathan Allen, Daron Payne, like that front four is terrifying. And I was fascinated when uh when Sal Capaccio was on earlier this week, he'd made mention of snap shares and 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 how often these players come off the field and they don't come off like the Bills have a healthy rotation. These guys, they are on the field a lot and it's because they are talented. This defense in Washington is not to be messed around with. And if we get anything reckless from Josh Allen again, we're going to go back to the same old sour puss mood that we were in a couple weeks ago or not a couple weeks ago last week. I don't want to go back to that mood. I like this mood. This mood is good. Howard was here. I got to say hi to him. And he's looking all snazzy right now. I like the good moods. Good moods are good. Why? Because everyone should have them. Allen did reel in the reckless abandon last week. And yes, it was against the Raiders. They are a bad defense. They're a bad defense. They're not good. Once again, another team trying to skin the Patriots alive. But... You made them look like the Raiders again. Which is perfectly fine by me. You win by 28. I don't know what else you can do there. Nitpicking-wise is the only way you're going to get complaints from this game. But now you get a Commander's team that's 2-0. They have a very stout defense. Sam Howell is not doing bad so far. He's got 501 yards on the season through two games three touchdowns one pick averaging 7.2 yards per I'm sorry yards per attempt good I just wanted to make sure I had the right compl- right uh, statistic up there they're not a bad team so this one's going to be one you have to take a little more seriously than the uh, Las Vegas Raiders so how are you feeling about this game eight 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 five fifty two five fifty. We could talk Bills. We could talk Sabres. We could talk why does Patrick Kane keep coming up as an option that the Sabres should look at. Anything. I still think, though, that there's one big question about the Bills that will evade me until January, and it drives me mad. And it's not fair. Just how good are they? We know that they're a Super Bowl threat. We know that. But can they actually do it? Like, at least get back to the conference championship game again. But we don't get to get there for a long time, and it's not fair. And you want to see this team play well. You want them to to really be able to showcase what they're capable of. And again... Their true worth and their measurement of what is a success or failure of this season still won't happen for months. And that part is not fair. I just don't know how great this team can be until they really are able to do something that is not an all or nothing game. The Jets, it was a nothing game. You got nothing good going on for the most part. Like your past defense was good. Yeah, but it's against Zach Wilson. Cowboys made that look a lot easier. But then again, that happens when your quarterback isn't turning the ball over constantly. But then against the Raiders, everything was great. And that's because the Raiders are not a good team. You made a bad team look like a bad team. And the Bills over the past couple of years have become point differential sponges. They soak up all of this point differential, sometimes just against crappy teams, and then that number just becomes an astronomical figure. And that's the league. Like right now, that's the Dallas Cowboys. But it still doesn't make me feel better about what this team's actual goals are supposed to be. But once again, when you look at point differential... Guess who's up near the top? It's the Bills. They're second. Again. And Dallas, thanks to a 40-point beatdown of the Giants in Week 1, have a plus 60. But the Bills always do this too. The Bills take bad teams, show them that they're bad teams. And then the games that we need them to make different outcomes for, sometimes they do it, mostly in the regular season. They do it. But you have yet to defeat Kansas City and Cincinnati in the playoffs. And that's where I think is the most frustrating part about this group. You want to see the team that can actually show that they can do this. You've beaten Kansas City in the regular season, no problem. You've done it twice in a row now. So you could beat them. But those are two tightly contested teams. That's just natural. Sometimes you lose. Again, it's just this confounding thing about the Bills and how you want to see more than just the all or nothing right now, and that's what we've gotten. And I think Washington's a nice test, at least for the offense, to make sure that Allen isn't getting too reckless again, that you actually can reel it in, and that the biggest fear of your offense isn't that your quarterback is bored Washington plays a lot of that too deep. And that's going to make for a tougher deep game. That's going to make for a lot of challenges when it comes to trying to uncork a big play. They let everything be in front of them. They let everything be there so that they can be in front of it. It's a bend but don't break style. The Bills execute it very well. But Washington also has the pass rush consistently to be able to get it done and put pressure on a quarterback to force them to make mistakes. Allen, obviously, is a different dude. He's a guy that can have fun with it, roll out, run the ball when it comes to needing to be take it off and get out of pressure. That said, we'll see what happens here. I'm not nearly as confident about this game as I should be, but that's mostly because of how good that defense is in Washington commanders have a good defense i still think the bills can win this game or should win this game because at the end of the day your team is better than theirs but there's gonna be a nice little scare and i think that we need that game as a fan base we need that game where okay this looks a little tougher than it should be and the jets the jets game wasn't that the jets game was this team is not playing the way that they should And I think that that's the difference. The Bills against the Jets was a game where you knew they could do better. And they should have done better. I'm not sure that I would have to say the same here with Washington because at least defensively you know you're going to be able to shut that down for the most part. The Bills have a good enough defense. They're able to get things going. Terrell Bernard has come on as the starting option we all wanted in the middle linebacker spot. So it's nice to see. Who knows? Maybe this team actually can go ahead and win convincingly here against Washington. I would love that. It's always good to be able to have some sort of convincing wins against bad teams again. Make us feel a little bit better as Miami is around the corner, by the way. Miami is around the corner. And that's a team that frustrated the Bills last year. They did go 2-1, and one, including a playoff win. And a loss by two points. And the glorious butt punt, by the way. So that was... I I would like for this to just be a set-it-forget-it kind of game. But Washington's defense might be one that puts a nice little headache into all of our heads. So, how are you feeling about this game? I think overall I'm fine. It's just who knows how frustrating it can get. Ultimately, a Bills win would be my guess. But it's not going to come as easily as... Say when the schedule came out this year, and we were like, oh, okay, Washington, week three? Sure, why not? We'll take that. I'm hoping that this game is easy, but I'm expecting it not to be. Because this team, for the most part, doesn't like to make things easy on us, do they? If you look... At all of the ways that this team has lost football games. In just this regime, by the way. Not often are they forgettable losses, are they? If I go, hey, remember that time that the Bills lost to blank? You'll know which game I'm talking about. If I say Jacksonville, it's the 9-6 hilariously bad loss against the Jaguars with Urban Meyer. If I say the Vikings lost from last year, that's the game that was on all of the drugs. That they should have won, that they had a three-score lead in the third quarter. The Miami game last year. You should have won that game. Bucks in overtime against Tom Brady a couple years ago. The wind game against the Patriots. Any weird law, like Hail Murray. That was a weird one to lose. But the Bills don't lose normal. They don't. It's something like the dumbest thing happens every time they lose. And against the Jets with Zach Wilson twice now. Those are just so frustrating that you remember them. The Bills have had plenty of wins over these past five seasons. And maybe it's because the losses are so few and far between that you can remember most, if not all of them. It's the fact that they do it in such a frustrating way that they're not really forgettable. Maybe the Je- maybe the Bengals playoff game is the most forgettable because of how they played in that game. It was just a dud. But this team loses games in the most hilarious of ways. Or at least the most memorable of ways, I should say. It's the weirdest thing about them. This Bills team is weird, plenty of ways. Super fun and exciting. Golden retriever energy of from your quarterback. But at the same time, sometimes they lose in the dumbest ways possible. The fact that you've in a calendar year lost to Zach Wilson twice, I'm still not going to forgive them. But the heat game in Miami, where players are cramping up left and right, even to the point where Isaiah McKenzie can't get out of bounds in time to try a last-second field goal. The fact that the butt punt, as hilarious as it was, ultimately was a detriment for the team because you could have just marched down the field and got a touchdown. And it'd be on a very short field. Could they have done it? Probably. It's just another one of the weird ways that this team loses football games. And I don't think they're going to lose this one. I'm just remembering things about how weird they are. 803 0550-1888-550-2550. Bills Commanders get started tomorrow with pregame at 7 a.m. And the Sabres playing in preseason hockey. For the first time this season, they'll also be in Washington as they take on the Capitals. But it's time now to get connected to our fans. It's brought to you by Northtown Kia, Western New York's number one Kia dealer. Shop online at northtownkia.com. And we go to Lewis. Lewis, how are you doing? Welcome to Sports Talk Saturday.
4: Hi. Hi, Derek. Good to hear from you. I I know you were mentioning regarding the, the litmus test about the Bills winning the Super Bowl. And just trying to at least get to the conference championship game. I think there's a stretch in the schedule of four games that I think will give us a really good indication on whether this team can actually win the Super Bowl or not. And it's gonna be at a time where usually that's where the Bills start turning it on. Where the last the last six years, like during this entire regime of they have been historically good in december and january so this stretch starts on november 19th and it goes all the way through the 17th of december these four games will really tell us if they're Bowl or not you have home against the jets which i know the jets probably won't be contending given the fact that rogers is out for the year but they're historically a pain in the butt so that's going to be a test then you're on then you're on the road against the Eagles the week after. And then you have the Chiefs in Arrowhead. And then you have Dallas after that. That is a brutal stretch of four games of three of three having a strong likelihood of being deep in the postseason. Now regarding Washington this Sunday, Buffalo was four and one against the NFC last year. And they've actually been really good against the NFC period in the last four years. I don't feel too concerned this Sunday about the commanders because they stopped Josh Jacobs to minus two yards on Sunday. Brian Robinson's really good. They can do much of the same. Sean McDermott's also really good against first year quarterbacks. Guess who? Guess who? Howell is first year quarterback. Yep. So I'm not concerned much about Washington but they should not overlook them because we all know the big game is the week after. I want to know what you think regarding that four-game stretch and how you think they would fare. Thank you.
3: Thanks, Lewis. I appreciate that. And, uh, look, th- that stretch is absolutely something that we have to go ahead and peek at here. I mean, the three games in a row that are just really daunting, Chief- Eagles, Chiefs, Cowboys, that's tough. I mean – you mentioned the fact that they went 4-1 and one against the NFC last year. Those two in three games with the Chiefs in between? Yeah, that's a tough stretch. But the good news is, is that this team also has a bye week in between it. And it does allow them to at least get a little bit of rest, preparation, and ready to go. And the league knows that these should be good games too, though. 425, 425, 425. National scope on all of them. So you know what you're getting. And the Bills do have a good tendency of being able to rise to the occasion. And I hope they do. I hope that it's... This is a test, though, that we're not going to know what they're capable of with those three games until we get closer to them. The Cowboys look like world-enders, but they also beat the Jets and the Giants. Not really... Okay, hang on. Let's rewind that, because the Bills didn't beat the Jets. They still beat up on two bad quarterbacks. Daniel Jones might become one of the hucksters of our age for getting that contract that he did. And Zach Wilson was not the reason that the Bills lost. It was Josh Allen's fault. It really was. I hate to blame one person, but one person threw some really bad turnovers and interceptions. Like, what do you say? Sorry. You get paid that much money. I'm going to say those words, and it's not going to be wrong to say that. I just think that it's just one of those issues where maybe, maybe, the Cowboys might not be as scary as we think either right now. Mostly because they beat up on two terrible offenses. 803 551 1888-552-550. But the next segment, we're going to switch gears. Because Sabres preseason starts... Tomorrow, Training camp is underway. I have loved some of the line combinations between the two groups so far. So we're going to go ahead and we're going to call for our friend Paul Hamilton to join us next segment as we talk some Sabres coming up next here on Sports Talk Saturday on the radio home of the Bills and the Sabres when their season gets rolling along here. WGR Sports Radio 550.
1: We know you
2: can't hear every moment of the Extra Point Show, but you don't have to miss any moments either. Rewind up to 24 hours with Odyssey Rewind. Just download the Odyssey app and select WGR. Brought to you by Northtown Automotive. Shop online
1: at northtownauto.com.
7: It's Paul
5: Hamilton.
2: That's what they called me in college. It's the bone. He has the facts to back up his opinions. People ask me, well, how are the Sabres going to win tonight? I don't have a clue.
1: On WGR Sports Radio 550.
3: Welcome back. Sports Talk Saturday. Derek Kramer here with you. And joining me now... Is the dancing queen himself uh, that I'm going to get smacked by him for saying it like that. I don't know. But uh, it's been a while since I've talked to our friend Paul Hamilton. He joins us now on the West Her Hotline. Paul, it has been a bit. How are you, my friend? Well, it's about time you came back. We missed you. You don't have to lie to everyone in front of us.
5: It's Okay. <laughs>
3: But thank you, Paul. I do appreciate it. Uh, but we're not here to talk about me. We're here to talk about the Sabres because preseason gets going tomorrow. Training camp is underway. There's the the yearly Patrick Kane interest with Buffalo rumors. Um, so why not start there, I guess? Um Paul, I, I guess it's something that is a personal problem. It's a me problem. I get very annoyed with the uh, the yearly anecdote of, like, the Sabres should be interested in Patrick Kane. I get annoyed with any rumor.
2: Because <laughs>
3: they usually don't come through. Yes! <laughs> Love this energy. Uh, uh. But yes, it, it's one of those things where, you're like, you look at it more or less in trying to make sense of it all, though. Because Darren Dreyer's the one reporting it this time, and it's like, okay, come on. Uh, but... It seems like a luxury good and almost a redundancy to add Patrick Kane to a skilled forward group that was third in the league in goals for last year.
2: Yeah, and I agree with you. It seems like everybody wants to keep adding offense to this team, which isn't really what this hockey team needs. I mean, it needs that number four defenseman, which I really do like the signings of Johnson and Clifton, but I don't think either one is a top four D. Clifton maybe can be if, you know, Granado uh, improves him a little bit. Um, I mean, don't forget, he was a healthy scratch for the Bruins in the playoffs. Now, it was the Boston Bruins. Let's not lose sight of that. That's a good hockey team. So it maybe isn't a real big embarrassment to be a healthy scratch from that team. Um, but, uh, you know, he, he slipped a little bit in the uh, later half of the year because I follow some Bruin writers, and there was a lot of talk about, you know, how poorly he was playing. And I watched some games where he didn't play all that well near the end, but I've also watched some games where he played very well. And he does add something to the Sabers' defense that they don't have, and that's some grit and some toughness. And, and you know, when he's on the ice, you better watch out because you know he's on the ice. So, so that's still, to me, where they should go. Now, if this is true, I, I think if the Sabres have a lot of interest in Kane, it would be because he's won a Stanley Cup and you get a veteran presence in there. He's not who he used to be. He's not the Patrick Kane of old. Um, so, you know, you're not getting exactly what Patrick Kane was. Con- when Dalene and Power finally sign a contract, it doesn't kick in until next year. So if you just sign Kane to a one-year deal, that's fine. But you're not going to be able to fit him or Zegras, by the way, <laughs> uh, in, in long term because you're going to be paying over $10 million for Dalene. You're eventually going to be paying over $10 million for Power. I expect Paterka to really take off as well as Quinn. Their, their contracts will come up in two years, Levi and Goal. I mean, you, you have to pop it forward a little bit and understand that eventually you're going to run out of money if these guys go the, on the trajectory that they're on. So in Kane's case, it would be to add a veteran presence. It would probably only be a one-year deal. Um, maybe he would give the hometown team a discount because maybe he would be interested. You know what? Wouldn't that be cool to come to Buffalo and win a Stanley Cup there? He might feel that way. And he's got more money than he needs uh, for six lifetimes. So he might say, yeah, I'll come for $2 million, or something like that, and let's, let's do this type of a thing. But, you know, we'll see. He's not healthy yet. I mean, he has to get healthy. And, uh, and the thing is, you can say Kevin Adams is interested in every trade and every free agent because kevin adams believes this he calls on everybody whether he's interested in the player or not why because he wants to know the market he wants to know the market of different players the only way you're going to find that out is if you call and find out what players are worth so he'll always make the call so if this was just him inquiring with kane's agent well he's he's going to do that with everybody so if that's all it was That's what Adams does. If he's really, really interested, I think it's to bring another Stanley because, you know, they've only got one of them in the organization and that's Eric Johnson.
3: Mm -hmm. Paul, um, you mentioned though, what this team actually needs Um, as we're going to, I do have one last Kane thing here, and that is the fact that he does need to get healthy, but his timeline is relatively similar to when Jack Quinn's return would be here as well. Mm-hmm. So it's more or less like it's such a log jam that, you know, it's like you said, it's not what they need. They don't need more offense. They don't need more forwards. And what they do need is probably that top four defenseman. And I looked at my sheet and I saw, oh, Darlene paired with Clifton. This is a fascinating uh, little experiment they're going to try. that
2: would start that's exactly where I <laughs> thought that would start
3: yeah, it's an interesting little tidbit though that I saw from the pairings, and uh, one that we've seen Don Granado in the past be very much aggressive with experimenting with pairings and lines that create different combinations and be willing to uh, to let them either flourish or falter.
2: yeah, and Granado said in the summertime. He may go with instead of like having Daleen with Samuelson, two lefties. He may just do the lefties one, two, three. Well, if you do it that way, Daleen and Power are going to get their ice time, and Samuelson is not because he will be on a third pair with Johnson, who is with who he's with right now. Yep. They're not. He's not going to get the ice time that maybe you would like to see him get by doing it that way. But you have three. You know, as far as the guys that are going to dress, you got three righties and three lefties. The thing is. Without going out and getting that guy who can be in your top two, Yoki Haru is still in your top four. So that would leave Clifton and Johnson, two righties, on your. If you want to use Samuelson and and Darlene together, two lefties, that would leave two righties as your third pair. So, I think Renato feels he can make Clifton into a better player, just like he feels he can make Greenway into a better player. He had them both at the U.S. Uh, development camp so he knows them very well. So that's why I think they're going to start it this way and see if Clifton indeed can fit in as a top-four guy.
3: Yeah, Paul, it's it's one of those things where I'm very interested to see what, not just with Clifton in particular, but more or less how they use Samuelson this year. I mean, if they if the plan really is to break it up as Dalene Power, Samuelson, all the lefties playing um, on their own – then you're looking at probably the deepest group of left-handed defensemen in the entire National Hockey League when Samuelson's healthy and available because that's been his only knock at this point is really the impact of him missing out of the lineup. But it is one of those things where if Clifton can work out here, a lot of the question marks suddenly get a lot quieter. Yeah,
2: they do because then you've got your top four it, with, if he can pop in there and do that, and you, you know you've got Samuelson on your on your bottom pair, which means if one of the top four go down, you've got a guy you can put in there. Now, ideally, I I would have liked Yoki Haru in the bottom pair, and I'm not down on him like most fans are. Uh, Yoki Haru a lot of the time plays like a top four guy, but the problem is he does have a crisis in confidence at times, and then he's really bad in those games. So that's what he's got to do, especially in the beginning of the year. He has not had a good start since he's been a Sabre. It usually starts around December that he starts improving after having two really bad months. Mm -hmm. So he really has to work on his start to the season um, and, and if he ever gets confidence in himself throughout a season, he definitely is a top-four guy. But I was thinking, all right, get a guy you can put in the top four, put Yoki Haru on your third pair, and then if somebody gets hurt, you've got somebody you can pop up there where they had nobody. Last year it was Bryson, Clegg. You know, they really had nobody they could put up there. Nothing ever worked. So that, that was my thinking. I guess we're going to do it the other way, though, on the lefty and have Samuelson in your bottom pair and then pop him up if you have to.
3: Paul Hamilton on the West Her Hotline. Paul, um, more on the um, the experiments, the fun little things that you get to try out in preseason. I, like many fans, love the fact that the most recent first-round pick is with Tage Thompson and Jeff Skinner for line combinations to start training camp. Zach Benson joining those two stalwarts. And then you see Yuri Kulik with Casey Middlestadt and Alex Tuck on the other group. You see Isaac Ruzin with uh, Dylan Cousins and J.J. Paterka giving these first-round guys a lot of major opportunity now with one of the best scoring teams in the league.
2: Yeah, Isak Roseanne isn't a guy that anybody's really been talking about and filling in for Quinn, but it looks like it's possible. Now, this is just early lines. He might get the first opportunity. Why? He really, really, really improved his two-way game last year in Rochester. He understood what Seth Appert was telling him. That if you play good defense, you're actually going to get more offensive opportunities. Why? Because if you play good defense, you're getting the puck back. And you're going to have it more. And then you can get up into transition and you're going to be in the offensive zone. And get offensive chances. And Roseanne found out that that's true. And really, I think, embraced that. So it looks like you know he might be getting a good opportunity. I, I, I think this is a great experience for Benson to come to training camp and be able to play with a Thompson or a Skinner. And I hope it happens in tomorrow's game. I hope they get a chance to have a game together, or if that line isn't in tomorrow's game, they'd be in the next game, and maybe play in that game together. Just to give him that experience to be on there. And I mentioned this during the summer. You know, We talked about Savoy, that he can't go to Rochester. And I said, it's possible that Benson He, – I've been so impressed with him, and it's possible – he could go into camp and pull a Derrick Roy. He has the same number. Uh, Derrick Roy, when he was a rookie, came into camp. No, who, Who's Derrick Roy? Next thing you know, the last week of camp, he's still here. Everybody else is back to junior and in Rochester, and he's still here in the last week in camp because he played so well. And quite honestly, he did get sent back to junior r- right at the end, and I thought he kind of got screwed a little bit. I, I thought he made the team. I thought he played well enough to make the team. But if somebody is capable of that, I think Benson is. And I've been saying that all summer, that he could come into camp and play so well, he can make it very difficult on them to move him back out of there. So it'll be interesting to see. He played very well in the prospects challenge. So it'll be interesting to see what kind of noise he makes in this training camp.
3: Paul, um, one last one here for you uh, before we let you go. And more or less, it's just a, uh, it's one of those things where I tend to think about this player more than maybe I should, but Peyton Krebs and what the direction might be for him this year. We saw him a lot, really with like third line, fourth line minutes most of the time, but this is another young player that is almost getting lost in the shuffle with the emergence of Quinn and Paterka and now with Kulik, Razin, Benson, Savoy, all ready to start threatening for more ice time, or at least big league ice time. Uh, What do you think uh, your prediction could be for Peyton Krebs this season for the Sabers?
2: I think he has the talent to be top six, but he won't be on this team because he's an awful winger. He's a very good centerman, and he's not going to go ahead of Cousins, and he's not going to go ahead of Thompson. So... You know, he's going to be a bottom-six type of guy, and it helped him last year to be able to play with Gurgensons and Alposo, who, by the way, were one of the top lines in the league at not giving up offensive chances. And Krebs, I think it was good for him to play on that line. And he would help them when they got in the offensive zone because the other two are great four-checkers. They'd get in the zone and keep it there, and I was impressed with how Krebs became a good four-checker, and he would help them get good scoring opportunities uh, to, to, you know, with that line, and they spent a lot of time in the offensive zone. Now, right now, I would put Jost on that line, and I would get Krebs maybe up with Middlestat and Greenway. Uh, and, and, by the way, if they did get Kane, that's probably the spot for Kane. I think you'd have Krebs, Middlestat, and Kane uh, would be your line there mm-hmm. because I don't see a spot for Kane when we're talking about the top four. So... Uh, you know, I think that would be the spot for him, too, uh, when Quinn would get back. So I think that's what you're looking at as far as, you know, with with Peyton Krebs. But I think he has the talent to be top six, but it's just not going to happen on this team.
3: Paul, I appreciate your, your Sabres insight here, and we will be hearing plenty of it as the preseason goes along. Uh, you got a quick tidbit here with uh, Bills and Washington uh, commanders tomorrow as well?
2: I don't like uh, that defensive line that Allen has to go against, but Allen will be fine if he just takes what they give him. Because against the Jets, he moved the ball. When he didn't try to play hero ball, he he moved the ball against the New York Jets, who have an excellent defensive line, too. He's not going to have the time to stand back there and wait for long plays to develop and and hope to get it down, or he's going to wind up, you know, forcing things downfield. I think if he's willing to, to, you know, all right, put together a 12- or 13-play drive. He's quite capable of doing that, and he has the guys to do that. I think the the Bills will be fine. But if he goes back to the hero ball thing like he did against the Jets, I think it could get a
3: little dicey. If he forces plays, Paul, I'm going to force myself to crash into a door. So we're going <laughs> to see what happens here. Uh, Paul, thank you uh, for joining me here today. Uh, I've missed being able to talk to you, and uh, I look forward to doing more of that. As the season gets started, yeah, it was fun. Uh, call anytime, of course. Paul Hamilton on the western uh, on the Western Hotline there, and now it becomes real. Sabers preseason gets going as the Bills season is already going. We get ourselves back into the peak elite season that we all love to champion here at WGR. So. Let's have some fun with it. 803-0551, 888-552-550. How you feeling about the Bills, Commanders? Do you hate the Patrick Kane idea to the Sabres as much as I do? Um, Anything you've got, let's hear it. But we also have Tyler Dunn joining us at 1220 today. But we've got some time for you. Bring him up. Ring them in and let's see what we've got. Let's have some fun here as Sports Talk Saturday rolls on. Derek Kramer, Tanner Saunders behind the glass. You're listening to WGR.
1: Call, text, or tweet the Extra Point Show. And get connected. Brought to you by Northtown Kia. Shop online at NorthtownKia.com for the new Kia Forte Sportage and Telluride.
6: He's a little, he's a little, not, he's not too much on technique sound though, you know what I'm saying? He, he's a little uh, hit or miss, you know what I'm saying? Like he, he's either all the way on, or he's like not on at all, so.
1: It's like a regular game to me. It don't feel no different. I mean, it's just the hooping and hollering about Cleveland um, Browns. I was about to call them the Elves, but if you ask me, I don't really pay attention to it because it's Cleveland, it's Cleveland. It's funny. It's just different, I guess.
4: It's frustrating because I called the ass Elves, and we
6: just lost to some Elves, so I'm pissed on my part.
1: Oh, Sports
3: Talk Saturday here on WGR. That is Bengals receiver Jamar Chase, who I would like to affectionately call the booty cheek of the week here on our Sports Talk Saturday, our weekly bits and bobs that we like to do here. Jamar Chase needs to stop talking all of this smack if his team is going to get smacked. Chase needs to worry about his stat line, I think, before he needs to go ahead and start calling teams elves and not being able to name a single player on the Baltimore defense. Uh, look, I get it. It's fun. Smack talk is fun. I love talking smack. I'm talking smack about this guy right now. But Jamar Chase, until your team can win a football game and you can actually put some points up on the board, maybe slow down. Our Booty Cheek of the Week, Jamar Chase. How do you like that there, Tanner? I think uh, (laughs) the resounding thumbs up from behind the glass there. I, I love being able to poke fun at some people every week, dumb things that they do. Like, look, last week I stood up on a rolling chair, okay? So I'm not necessarily a smart person. So that means when I call dumb things dumb, I know what I'm talking about. I'm almost an expert on the subject matter of being stupid. And that one's an out-of-context quote that I, that is surely going to get used against me. But, uh, no, it's... And speaking of things that I think are not smart, um, it's... I'm going to want to have a continued discussion about this with, with the Patrick Kane thing. I think it's just... It's a little ridiculous to want something that you don't need anymore. The Sabres are beyond needing a player like Patrick Kane. And... I'd like to see why, like, give me reasons why that this should be a good idea. 803-0551, 888-552-550. Time to get connected with our fans. It's brought to you by Northtown Kia, New York's number one Kia dealer. Shop online at northtownkia.com. We go to Mike in Hamburg and destroy the brake structure. Mike, welcome to Sports Talk Saturday.
5: Hi, how are you today?
3: Not too bad. How about yourself?
5: Good. Hey, Pat. The, the idea of, of Patrick Kane coming into Buffalo is fantastic. Do you, I'll tell you why. Okay, I'm going to give you. You just said you wanted some ideas why. Well, let's start. Let's start with this. He is a first ballot Hall of Famer. The best. The best American hockey player to ever play the game, might be a top twenty hockey player of all time. Won three Stanley Cups. Is from Buffalo, west of New York, and he could could show leadership and he could help the younger people uh, on our cup runs, on our playoffs. We need some talent with experience from playoffs and Stanley Cups. We need two or three players. We got one with Eric Johnson. We need a couple more, and he would he would break the uh, lineup the, on the second team, and he would be the first team power play.
3: Oh, uh, yeah, Mike. Real quick, I appreciate the call. Um, here's here's some things about the first couple of points about like what he's done in his career. I used to run a four seven forty. I can't do that anymore. I'm thirty five. You know what else Patrick Kane is? He's thirty five. He's not the same Patrick Kane that won all those Cups and became the best point producer as an American scorer. He's not the same guy anymore. He's not, and it's okay to admit it. A player who they were and who they are are two different things. The Stanley Cup experience. Here's the other one. Does everyone forget that Alex Tuck went to the Cup Finals? Alex Tuck went to the Stanley Cup before, so he knows what it's like, too. Kyle Leposo is still great veteran leadership with those Islanders teams. Clifton has been in Boston where they know how to do this. They know how to win. Eric Johnson comes in fresh off of a Stanley Cup from a couple years back. So it's not like this team is devoid of veteran leadership. They're not. They, The thing is, is that Kane is, at this moment, Maybe middle six production who relies on power play time and who are you taking off of power play one? Are you gonna take Tage, Cousins, or Skinner or Tuck off the first group of the power play? I wouldn't. You've got Quinn, Paterka, ready in the wings, middle stat there on the second unit. You're you it's a redundancy. It is a luxury good that they don't need anymore. The Sabres in the past should need this player. The Sabres of this current core do not. And the leadership thing is one that I might listen to, but I was just reminded by my brain that Alex Tuck has been to the Stanley Cup final. So they have guys that have done it before. 803-0550, 1-888-552-550. 803-0550, 552 550 If you're on hold, stay there. Why? Because we've got time for you, because Tyler Dunn will not be joining us until 1220. So the next segment, it's us. Me, you, whatever things that you like that I said, if you don't like what I said. Let's get into it. Sports Talk Saturday. Derek Kramer, Tanner
1: Saunders, we're here with you for another two hours on WGR. How powerful is Cox Internet? Powerful enough to let your band members in Vegas...